I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everybody and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is John Schneider, my regular co-host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? Hey, John. I'm good tonight. Ready to come back and talk some hokey football. Yeah, we were going to start off this one real quick because we did not get a chance to do a blitz because I was out of town at a funeral and you were you were buried and Jay was buried and we just never could get it knitted together. So we're going to do a quick two people blitz. And I mean, it's going to be two minutes, three minutes, because what is there to talk about with the game and the crushing, the, the horrible first half on both sides of the ball and then the crushing disappointment the second half where the fourth quarter the offense didn't show up and the defense completely collapsed that's you know i'm sorry that was that's on all the players it's also on the coaches that was a poorly planned poorly executed prevent defense that prevented the hokies from winning that's what my take is what's yours yeah, I mean, you're up 21 to 3 with I think it was around it was halfway through the third quarter. I mean, maybe a little more than halfway through the third quarter. I think it's probably 5-6 minutes left. So we were getting toward the end and when they scored the first touchdown, I, I just had this feeling. I think we shared it in the group chat where it was like, uh-oh, they scored that first touchdown, you just knew because I did not have any confidence that we would score again even though we had scored three touchdowns kind of in a flurry there. I was I was worried and 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 what's sad is my worry and came to fruition when they blew the game like that. So yeah, it's a complete it's a complete failure because the first half the defense was outstanding and the and the offense was horrible and in the second half the special teams and the defense were awful. And and, and I'm going to say the offense had that had that flurry, but had the offense just been able to sustain some drives, pick up some first downs. I mean, not even score t- more touchdowns even just just pick up three or four first downs a couple of times that burns five six minutes off the clock each time they don't have the chance to score another touchdown that's right so, so i you know the whole the whole second half I'm, I'm i was very frustrated with the whole the whole team 
in the second half. Even though the third quarter, I was excited. I think we're gonna we're gonna win this game. It's gonna be a, even though it's a different you know it's not Devin Leary. It's a still a good win, but that little quarterback is gonna be pretty good. But I mean, we made him look a lot better than than he is already. That's for certain. But but you know it's it's a hard that was a hard one to take, and it would be harder if the season wasn't already a waste and a disaster. You just gotta hope they learn from it and 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 get better. And because we got four games left, I mean, at some point, and I said this in the article last week, at some point we need to, fans need to see. Uh, progress and progress isn't about well oh this guy made a play this week he's coming along nicely yeah that is progress we like that but what we really need to see is wins and, and I don't know what what Hokie Nation deems would be a successful final quarter I don't say I don't think we're going four and zero from this we're looking at this team I don't, I just don't see four and zero in the cards but I guess winning two out of our last four would be a <laughs> would be progress. Yeah, at this point, at this point, even reaching the floor and trying to get three out of it, you know, and we'll talk about it later. My series and the third is coming up on Wednesday and I'm going through the chart and writing the article now. And it, like I said, it kind of depressed me a little bit as I'm looking at things. Okay. First game out, and this is Georgia Tech. They're here. This is the one we're supposed to be covering this weekend. It's the one we were supposed to walk away with. One of the ones we were supposed to walk away with, no matter what. Because Georgia Tech was a mess. It wasn't any good. Their head coach got fired. It was going to be terrible. Well, they still aren't good. I mean, they're still only three and five, but that's better than our two and six. Yeah, the I, if what's his name, Jeff Collins, the dude that always was. I couldn't stand looking at that guy. He always had that. Um that vest on i don't know it was just something about that dude but no uh if he would have remained coach i would say we could win we would win this game like we did the bc game because I, I, that guy was just that guy does not belong as a head football coach college football but but when they got the new the interim coach i think his name's brent key he came in and he's he won the first two games like he, he coached and they were they were actually beating good teams they beat pittsburgh in pittsburgh that's what gave us hope when we played pittsburgh hey did you see what georgia tech did last week and then they beat Duke. Duke's also in her first year. We've we've discussed Duke this year about how they're much better under a new head coach, and they're they're ha- they're getting the real progress that we should we feel like we should be seeing. But then they lost two in a row to UVA and Florida State, and UVA is not a good team. Florida State is I wouldn't call them back yet, but Florida State is is slowly becoming good again. They're becoming so, relevant. Yep. So when I look at Georgia Tech now. I, I don't look at Georgia Tech and say, "Oh, that's a win." I mean, well, anyway, I mean, that's what we—that's how we used to look. I, at I have it rated schedule. as a fifty-fifty. I have it rated as right now a fifty-fifty, and, and you, you have to go with what you have to go with. There are moderate risk in a fifty-fifty. Don't you miss the days when you looked at the uh, schedule? And we, I think we talked about this recently, where you could just look at the schedule and go, oh, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. Yeah. Well, we, we 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 can't do that. We we literally could do that with Wofford this year. And nobody else. That was it. And, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, I know how you feel. Although you know me, I've always been against that anyway, because every college football team is different every single year, and there's always challenges, especially in the peloton, especially in the teams in the middle. You know, where maybe the best thing they're going to do is hit 25, uh, 23, 22, may, maybe get into the top tw- top twenty. Uh, you know, maybe if they're lucky. But in this case, we weren't going to hit it. And one of our opponents coming up just hit 23, and that was Liberty. So we're going to have a tough time. Let's just cover real quick the Georgia Tech offense. And the reason why I say that is because we're kind of accelerating this because Jay, our buddy, is really busy with uh, stuff that he does for a living. 
and it's way more important than, than we do and in a lot of respects and and he he cannot make it so he's going to be recording the session you know his predictions and putting his predictions on so we're going to be gluing that together but what we've got is we got Georgia Tech Georgia Tech's main offense is Jeff Sims put it bluntly He's got a little over a thousand yards passing, and he's got 417 yards rushing. So he's bo- well, not for that's Jeff, that's Hassan Hall, their running back. But Sims has got 302 yards rushing. So Sims seems to be a big chunk of their offense, and they've got three running backs that they've got two running backs besides Sims who look like they're actually kind of relevant, right? I mean, Dante, Dante Smith and Hassan, the aforementioned Hassan Hall. Uh, Hall's got 417 yards and Smith's got 257 yards. It's not a real great offense, is it? When I see Jeff Sims, you look at the numbers, nothing impresses you, but I see a, a big six foot four kid with a good arm and, and athleticism. I think Jeff Sims with the right coaching could be a really good quarterback and he could be very dangerous for our defense on this weekend because he can do what we always say. He can he's that dual threat guy. He can beat yeah. you with his legs. When I look at the strength of their team, I think their best offensive player is sophomore wide receiver Nate McCollum, who's uh Caught, has 386 receiving yards and 39 receptions. But the thing when I when I noticed with McCollum, he's only averaging 9.9 yards per reception. So, but I w- I would attribute that to more of a conservative offensive approach than I would that he can't beat you with the big plays. So the guy to watch on the outside is is EJ Jenkins, who's a six foot seven transfer wide receiver. He has 14 receptions, 16 yards per catch with three touchdowns. He, that's a guy that how you're going to cover a six seven guy on the outside. But and then you got Malachi Carter, who's who's averaging 16 yards a catch, also. But I think that wraps up who they are on offense. They don't scare you with any particular element on offense. But I would say Nate McCollum is probably their best offensive player. But but Jeff Sims can be dangerous. Yeah, I think I think the dual threat uh, still is perplexing to Virginia Tech and the defense, which we're going to talk about after the break. So let's take a break for a commercial message, and then we're going to talk about the Virginia Tech defense on the backside. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back. Brian, we were talking about uh, their offense. Now we got to talk about kind of the defense and our defense. I was thinking about maybe talking about their defense and then just kind of talking about us. So why don't we talk about their defense for a change? We can just change it up. And the reason why I want to talk about their defense before we launch into us is because we really know we, we, we know us and I want to talk about what we need to cure before we go into predictions. So let's talk about their defense. What's what's going on with them? When you look at their defense, what stands out, sir, their linebackers really stand out. They have a guy named Allende Ely, I think is how you say his first name, but he's a he's a linebacker. He's got three and a half sacks. He's also got 82 tackles. He leads the team in tackles. He's forced three fumbles, so and he's recovered two fumbles. So, so he's a little bit of a playmaker at the linebacker position. That's that's a guy to watch out for. He's a six foot three senior, so he's a big kid. And then they have 
Charlie Thomas, another linebacker who is six foot two, but only two hundred seven pounds. He's second on the team in tackles. So that when you when you look at them, they don't they don't have a team that's going to dominate you up front. The the one defensive lineman that, that to watch out for, I believe, would be Keon White, who is a six foot five, two hundred ninety pound senior. He has four sacks on the season. He's probably their best defensive lineman. Other than that, I don't know that they're a real daunting unit, although they've played well, especially since Key took over as head coach. It seems like they've played much better. So, And nothing's easy going for our offense. So every defense we, we face is a is going to be a challenge. And Is that how you see it, John? I, I, look at, I look at their stats and their games, and their defense is probably about as up and down as ours is. They're good sometimes. They hold the line sometimes, and then sometimes they're breaking a little too much, but they're surprising. And that's where I'm kind of concerned with the whole thing is, is that they're literally surprising. They haven't been doing a lot of turnovers, but neither have we. I mean, that's one of our disappointments in our defense are going to talk about is this, we used to be a turnover machine. And now we couldn't buy a turnover with cash. In, in looking for reasons for optimism, they are ranked 107th in FBS out of 131 teams in total defense, averaging 424 yards allowed per game. However, you know, that sure that sounds great if you have a moderately decent offense that's operating at high level. But then when you look around them, West Virginia's 101. What do we do against West Virginia's defense? Nothing. Then you look below them, number 116 is Old Dominion. What do we do against Old Dominion? <laughs> and then even worse is North Carolina, which is ranked number 122, averaging 463 yards. Again, what do we do against North Carolina? And so, we got pasted by North Carolina's defense. Yeah, so we couldn't even we scored we made North Carolina's defense look good. And what's incredible about North Carolina, I always love taking shots at North Carolina for whatever reason, but even though they have an amazing quarterback, they, they do he, he's arguably the best one in the country, but their defense is full of four star guys and they're they're number one hundred and twenty two in, in total defense. But the game is all about offense. If you can score 40 points a game, you're going to be fine, regardless of how bad your defense actually is. That's the whole dig. I mean, that's one of Joshua's things. If you don't, you know, this is modern college football, and believe it or not, as boring as the Big 12 is and no defense football, that's what people play nowadays. And if you're just going to outscore the opponent, if you score more points than the opponent does, you win the football game. It doesn't matter how many points you got to get to get there if you can do that. It's points per minute of possession. And if, if you possess the ball 60, you know, 30 minutes and you score seven points, you probably are going to lose the football game. I think that's the most disappointing thing when I look at our, when I see our offenses, some of these teams aren't very good and they're, they, they can't recruit because they're at recruit smaller schools or whatever. They can carve out an offense with less talent, which tells you about coaching. And we couldn't find a, we couldn't under the previous regime and we can't under this regime find a coach who, who can, I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about an offensive coordinator. We can't yeah. find somebody who can, who can do a modern offense that, that people want to see because people want to, people want to watch off offense and and at least if you're losing let let us have something more enjoyable to watch other than going scoreless in the first half well let's let's talk about that i mean let's it's time because we we need to we need to jump off of georgia tech and we're going to talk about tech and yeah with your takeaways and and my good bad and ugly this is virginia tech's biggest problem this season you cannot win football games on defense that era is gone I'm sorry, guys, for the old Beamer world purists. 
and everything else, defense only saves you. It doesn't win football games anymore. And, it's all about offense. And something else to remember, it goes to John's point, is we're not going to get any of the top defensive line prospects. Anybody of the top defensive line prospects, because nobody plays defense anyway. So those high-quality defensive line prospects are going to end up at Alabama, at Georgia, the teams with the really strong NIL deals. You know, that's just a matter of fact. But that's not saying we can't have good defensive linemen, because we can. We have to develop them. They're not going to come in as a freshman or, or a redshirt freshman and start dominating. You're not going to have linemen, offensive or defense, generally come in and start for you immediately and make an impact. That's that's more for skill players yeah. or, or secondary guys or a quarterback, okay. even if you find the right guy. Okay, I'm going to be blunt about this. Our offensive staff or offensive coaching staff is frankly lost. I can tell. I'm 63 years old and I've been in a lot of organizations in my life and I've done a lot of heavy duty consulting at a very high level. And it doesn't matter whether it's football or computer science or operations or anything else. When you cannot operate and you cannot adjust and you cannot alter your functions based on the talent you have at hand in order to make things better. You need to have your personnel be put in a position to win, of, of getting, being given a chance to win. This offensive coaching staff has no capability at all of putting these kids in a position to win, as far as I can see right now, and that's two-thirds of the way through the season. And I agree with you. That, that goes to more than just talent because look, I've used this example more than one time and I'm going to keep using this example. Look at the Duke Blue Devils. They got hired a defensive head coach and he's got them playing good ball. He hired a quality offensive coach that's got them. I mean, they were in a shootout with North Carolina. Duke was with a whole lot less talent than North Carolina and almost and honestly should have won that game. And they don't have an offensive coordinator they had to pay $5 million to bring to, to Durham. They have an offensive coordinator who suited his talent to fit his scheme, what they do best, what can we get out of him. That's, what, that's all we're asking for here. We're not asking for Tyler Bowen to be Kyle Shanahan or, or Sean McVay. Let's just, let's just, I'm not completely convinced that we have, we have enough talent on offense. And I'm saying it's not great talent. We have enough talent on offense to move the ball and sustain drives. You we can't do, tell me we can't do that. Look, we have enough talent to be a par or just above par team. We have enough talent to at least go to a booger bowl. We have enough talent to win some seasons, to win some close games. To, to beat ODU. Yeah, to beat ODU, to beat Pitt when we should have beaten Pitt and we couldn't. In Miami. In Miami. We should have beaten Miami. And NC, NC State. State. Yep. And NC State. With NC State, our offense, when you look back at the NC State game and all they needed to do was drive to a field goal, even get close to a field goal. All I needed to do is possess the ball about eight to nine minutes, 10 minutes. And NC State could have never, and then play a tight defense, NC State could have never come back. They just wouldn't have had the time. The coaching errors are starting to pile up and you're hearing it in the fan base. And some of them might get fixed, but right now I'm hearing a lot of griping about, well, yeah, I hear our big stuff and talk and, oh, we're getting better and, oh, somebody did better and, oh, this did better. And it's like, no, you still lost a football game. You got one guy that performed well. 
You got two long passes that that Wells threw. You didn't give Wells anything else. You didn't give him any other receivers. You didn't give him any other patterns to deal with. He threw those two deep balls, and they were pretty balls. But but all the rest of it was dinky dunking around the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage to fall away backs, and sometimes even him running and. I'm going to make this one point for all the people that were screaming about Malachi Thomas going out and everything, the, the, the balloon, the air coming out of the balloon. Well, guess what? Malachi Thomas only averaged 2.9 yards a carry. So he was not even a factor in the offense, no matter no, what. No, Malachi is a, is a great player, but he we could have won that game with, without Malachi. I mean, you can't tell me without without some creative, without something creative going on in offense, and, which we lack. You can't live on that, oh, that Grant Wells, one Grant Wells deep ball, two Grant Wells deep balls per game and think you're going to win. Like the first drive of the second half, you can tell it looked, it looked scripted because they came out and, boy, they, they just whipped it down the field. They had – Daquan Wright involved, and you guess what? He never touched the ball again. Yeah, he got one other target, didn't catch the ball, or it was like over his head. I can't exactly remember it to be a while because it's so frustrating. But the, the patterns, they went back to the wigwag, and everybody paused and look at the side. What happened as soon as, okay, we, we know what our main gripe is. We know what the ugly is, and that's the penalties. That's the procedural penalty. That is a dual responsibility. The procedural penalties have to stop for the Georgia Tech game. If they can clean them up, they'll win the football game. But those procedural penalties are murdering this team. And half of the procedural penalties are on the players. Those are unforgivable. You know the snap count. Discipline yourself to forget what's happening. Charlie Wiles was the head coach. It was our line coach for years. One of his specialties was the bob and weave and the defensive lineman popping up and down and shifting sideways and getting the other guy to jump. Why you don't study that and realize the fact that that's who you're facing and that's what he's going to do to you. He's going to have his guys jumping around and distracting you. you got to get your deep offensive linemen to focus in on exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's it. Well, how do you do that? You stop calling plays from the damn sideline. If you want to huddle up, huddle up. Call a play, snap out of the huddle, go to the line of scrimmage, get set, hike the ball. Go. Stop with this noodling back and forth. Trust your players. I'm not just team talking about just us. I saw it in, I watched four other football games this weekend. I saw the same thing and I saw the same penalties. These coaches don't trust their football players. They are so highly paid and they are so risk averse. They will not trust their football players. And they, they're calling audibles from the sideline instead of allowing the quarterback and supplying and teaching the quarterback to do his job. We had 10 false starts in one game. Now, you think, here we, this is eight games into the season, and we're still talking about double-digit penalties per game. You, you, go, you go ahead, and I, I challenge anyone to watch a full season of NFL and college, multiple games per weekend. They will never see 10 false starts in one game again this year. That doesn't happen, it's, and it it's happened just to ridiculous. us. And it did it again. And not fixing the problem. It's been a problem the whole time, and it hasn't been fixed yet. That is on coaches. Yes, it's on the players, and they need to accept responsibility, but this is on the coaches because then you have to start going, what's the problem? Why does this happen? And you've got a 330-pound Six foot, six inch tall kid standing on his knuckles for 12, 15 seconds, 20 seconds while you wigwag plays in from the sideline. He's on his knuckles or he's squatted back and he can't move. 
I'm sorry. The coaches have got to learn something, and they aren't learning. Okay, so that's the that's our offense. Our defense will just keep going with this. Our defense is not as far off as our offense is. Our offense is off the rails and in the dirt. Our defense is close. We finally started to find some people that are actually doing a job. Mansoor Delane was magic again. He led the team. You know, and Alan Tisdale being back on the field, Tizzy led led in tackles. And I like seeing linebackers tackling. I get a little nervous when the number two tackler is Mansoor Delane, and Mansoor is the cornerback. I don't want to see cornerbacks tackling that much. That means they're too far downfield. They've gotten way too far downfield if your cornerback is coming up to tackle. So, you know, unless you're blitzing or something. Our defense needs to stop being conservative. No more conservative defense, Brent. Quit it. Chris Marr, quit the conservative defense. You have nothing to lose anymore other than a, maybe winning a couple of football games. Bug nuts blitzes. Drive the quarter. You've got, you've got four teams now where you're going to need to drop the quarterback on his butt. You're going to need to double cover guys. You're going to need to stop with the soft, flaky zone and everything else. They're going to have to man up, and you're going to have to start ball hawking again. This team has got to figure out some way of turning the corner and and stopping some of these offenses from scoring points, especially late in the game. That's just my opinion. Go for it, and then we'll break for prediction. I I can't um, say enough good things about Mansoor Delane and Daquan Wright, either one. Those those are two of our true freshmen who are killing it this year, and they're getting better every week. And and I don't know. I I can't really say it's coach, and it's just these these kids get it, and they they are really good players. Need to see more of it, but the other ones just need opportunities. Maybe that's all they're lacking is opportunities. If the guy ahead of you is not doing anything, then, I mean, if our offensive line is going to play like this every week, then let's see some of the younger guys that we got. Why not? What are you going to lose? you got nothing to lose. When you're losing everything, you got nothing to lose. All right, we're going to take a break, and, Brian, we're going to come back for a a little special prediction segment because we're going to see if maybe Jay is going to record his and send in his separate as a recording separately. So we'll be back after these commercial messages. Hey, welcome back. Okay, it's prediction time, and we're going to do a special segment with Jay before we break out. So let's let's give Jay a chance to say his piece, and we're going to wait here for a second. Hello, everyone. It's Jay Johnson. I wasn't able to make it to the uh, Blitz podcast right after the game, nor, unfortunately, was I able to make it to the uh, standard recording that we do for the podcast for the pregame previews. So they've asked me to record a little bit of my thoughts with regards to what happened last week and what we might be facing in the future. So last week was a little bit disappointing, and I know a lot of people were angry. Social media indications showed a lot of ire on the Virginia Tech fan side. But I'd like to remind everybody that we're still continuing to see significant improvement with this team. Certainly 10 offsides penalties is frustrating. Certainly losing a 21-3 lead is frustrating. But the fact that we were even able to be in it against a team like NC State away, I think is encouraging. When we take a look at how Grant Wells has performed over the last two games, he's had three rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions. You know, there's still continued calls for this 
quarterback to be replaced, but honestly, the last two games, we're probably not in a position to even be competitive if Grant Wells isn't playing the way he is. So I think perhaps the calls for him to be benched are old at this point. He's dragged the offense, kicking and screaming into scoring positions several times already just from his sheer effort, honestly. When we take a look at why Virginia Tech lost that 21-3 lead, you really have to lay it at every single facet of the game, right? So after that final score, Virginia Tech gained 13 total yards after their third touchdown, only one first down, and the defense allowed 196 yards to NC State and three touchdowns in that same time period. Chance Black fumbled somehow twice on one kickoff, but three times total, and As far as penalties, we've already mentioned the false start, but they made an additional false start during that time period when the Hokies were on offense, and that turned a third and 18 into a third and 23. There was a personal foul on the twice-fumbled kickoff return that set uh, Virginia Tech up on their four-yard line. There was a defensive holding penalty on a different kick return that allowed NC State to start on their 48-yard line, which resulted in a short field and ultimately a touchdown by NC State, and then also a defensive offsides on a third and three, which which gave NC State a first down. And also, we obviously mentioned the special teams woes. All of that happened after Virginia Tech scored their third touchdown. So with play like that, especially with that young quarterback at NC State coming on, it's understandable why Virginia Tech ended up losing the game. So even though we saw some flashes, right, like Caleb Smith's 85-yard touchdown reception, longest scoring play for Virginia Tech this year, and the longest scoring play allowed by NC State this year. NC State's arguably the best defense Virginia Tech played thus far and will play for the remainder of the season, and they still were able to come within one point. The other thing that I saw that I liked out there was seeing Daquan Wright. He needs to be on the field more, um, so I hope that we end up seeing that young man on the field a little bit more. And other bad stuff that potentially is going to affect the rest of the season, Malachi Thomas out in the middle of the third quarter, which was unfortunate. Fortunate. I don't necessarily know if he would have been able to save anything, but certainly, as I've said all season long, having a player of Malachi Thomas's caliber on the field just provides opportunities. So perhaps we're on the field just a little bit longer, or perhaps we're able to convert because the offensive production after that third touchdown just really put the defense in a very bad situation regularly. Now, when we look forward to uh, the game against Georgia Tech, I think this is where Virginia Tech's going to start having an opportunity to get back in the win column. Thus far, the only surprising result that I've seen this season has been the ODU loss. And I guess I'll say the performance of Miami and how close Virginia Tech came to beating Miami and NC State, which were both games that I thought were going to be a little bit more of a bloodbath for Virginia Tech. So the Hokies have gotten through the hardest stretch of their season, and I think they're going to come out better for it because they've been having to deal with some pretty stiff competition. When we take a look at their performance, their biggest deficit this year came with UNC, right? 31-point deficit, all right, lost that game. Then we get to Pitt, 16-point deficit, lost that game, 6-point deficit to Miami, and then a 1-point deficit to NC State. So even though we haven't seen a losing streak like this since the early Beamer years, the team is improving. And I think Georgia Tech is actually going to be a matchup where the Hokies uh, end up winning. When we take a look at the depth chart, Malachi Thomas is doubtful against Georgia Tech, so we're not expecting to see him. But Keyshawn King should be back in the starting lineup, and we also can expect to see Bryce Duke potentially get some touches because he is now listed on the depth chart 
start behind Keyshawn King for kick returns and Chance Black has been removed, which is probably for the best. I wish that young man the best, but we can't be fumbling that much that regularly and hope to keep the, the kick return job. I am a little bit disappointed to see Daquan Wright listed as the number three behind Gallo or De, or De Lulis and number two Blumrick. I think that that freshman's earned the right to be on the field and I'd like to see that young man get some more touches. So I understand he's listed as third, but hopefully we'll see him a little bit more. And I mean, I guess we can't really talk about Georgia Tech without looking at kind of like the two surprise wins that they earned after firing their head coach, Jeff Collins, in the middle of the season. So right off the bat, they ended up beating Pitt, which was surprising because at the time Pitt was ranked. And I think that was more of an indication of the woes that Pitt was actually about to face because they've been struggling since that loss. In that game, Georgia Tech won the turnover battle. They had three turnovers that they got from Pitt and they committed zero. That was the deciding factor. Again, a one-score game. So Solid work by Georgia Tech's defense. Duke, they won the turnover battle against Duke also, one turnover to zero. But really what they were able to do is slow down Duke's quarterback, uh, Riley Leonard, and they won that game in overtime by a field goal. So two close games against what are considered the more middle-of-the-road decent teams in the Coastal. But, you know, Duke and Pitt aren't like the class of the ACC by any stretch of the imagination. And since those two wins, we've seen Georgia Tech perform in a manner that we would expect more likely with the talent and the coaching situation they're facing. So uh, they lost to UVA in, in what can only be described as a pretty ugly game. And um, what I want to bring up with the UVA and then their following loss against Florida State is that they're really struggling to move the ball on the ground. So against UVA, 56 yards rushing with a 1.5 yard average uh, per carry and Florida State, 66 yards on the ground, 2.2 yard average. So that's kind of a strength that Virginia Tech had barring the aberration of the Israel Abanacanda absolute devastation and gashing of the Virginia Tech defense. Virginia Tech has been decent at being able to mitigate the rushing attack of teams. So that's going to play to Virginia Tech's uh, advantage because it's going to force Jeff uh, Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Georgia Tech, who's coming off of an injury, to probably have to win this game with his arm, which he's shown the ability to do, but it's not something that Georgia Tech's necessarily particularly good at. I actually think just like most of the year, you're going to recognize this song that Georgia Tech's defense is going to represent maybe our biggest problem. So hopefully we're going to see a little bit of the third quarter and fourth quarter Virginia Tech offense a little bit more regularly. And I think they're in a position nicely to do that because they've been dealing with some pretty legitimate defensive uh, squads over the last couple weeks. So um, in closing, I think the Hokies are actually going to get back to the win column this weekend against Georgia Tech. I don't think it's going to be a particularly attractive game, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the Hokies winning 21-17 at home. All right. Thanks, Jay. Hopefully everything worked out okay for you. And hopefully your prediction, because we haven't heard it and you haven't cued us in, hopefully your prediction is with our, ours. Okay. Brian, I just checked the odds. They're early odds. Wednesday is usually the final, you know, the final closer odds. And, and this is still Monday night. We're recording this and we are a three and a half point favorite, which is basically home field advantage. And over and under is 40 and a half, I think. 40.5. So what, what, what are you thinking? That sounds pretty fair, honestly. And if, if I was doing the the lines, and even though it's hard to hard to pick the Hokies every any week right now, I'm gonna have them favored for this weekend's game myself. So that sounds right to me. Yeah, I think the wise guys are pretty much right on. I think maybe we get a few more points in the future. I don't know. 
Georgia Tech has lost its running back coach. It's hit their head coach. I mean, they're starting to fade now. They had a little pride burst there, and they do put up a fight, but they are starting to fade a little bit. I got a feeling that that we're talking about, you know, a half score game, you know, four points, three and a half points. So yeah, I think the three and a half is about right. Maybe we do a little bit better. Maybe maybe Wells cranks up because their defense isn't so good. Maybe Wells gets a shot at cranking off a few more passes like like he hit Caleb Smith with. I don't know if Malachi Thomas is back. I seriously doubt he'll be back at all. But I don't think they present a real run defense problem again with us. So we'll probably be able to run the ball some. Of course, making any promises right now with our offense is, you know, you're taking a flyer, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know how. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We should be able to move the ball against this team, but I mean, we said it before and it didn't come true, so I don't know what to say anymore. But yeah, we should we should be able to move the ball. Yeah, so so I'm predicting probably I'm, I think that over and under is about right. I don't think either one of these teams has more than 20 points or more than a combination of 40 points in between in them. If the if it's an over, it's a barely over, you know, like maybe by five or something like that. So I'm I'm thinking Virginia Tech probably somewhere in the twenty four range and Georgia Tech somewhere in the seventeen range. That sounds sounds fair to me. So you you going with that too? Yeah, yeah, I'll have a more definitive prediction later in the week, yeah, but hey. but I, I I see that as being pretty pretty close to what. Yeah, I'm like thinking. I said, ish. I might I might okay. Don't pin me on it, guys, because the write up predictions article for Saturday it's a twelve thirty kick will probably be you know could be a little bit different. I could see depending on when we see the depth chart come out, maybe we see some changes. I'd like to see you know Cole Beck show up in the depth chart for change. I'd like to see Connor Blumrick used for change. I would like to see some of the promises that were made at the beginning of the season actually being honored in this last rush to see if we can, can at least salvage some honor. Because that's what all these are. These, this is, these four games are salvaging honor at this point. And if these kids can't rise to the occasion, these coaches can't rise to the occasion, you know, it's going to be a pretty daunting offseason. One of the poll questions in, in my Good, Bad, and Ugly article, that the answer was not only did, was the, were the kids going home, but the decommits are going to start. And and if this team does not win another game, or if it if it doesn't do it well at all, and maybe only wins one or two more. I mean, right now we're looking at two more. We're looking at Georgia Tech and UVA, and boy, the UVA game is going to be like three to six. But yeah, we'll just we'll just take it. All we can do is win this one and take it one one yeah, game at a time, and hopefully, time. hopefully we win more than we than we think right now. Yeah. So we're going to leave it like that, and. Let's come back after the game. This time we will be able to get a blitz on done because it is a 12:30 kick, which means we'll be able to queue it up for Saturday evening after the game and everybody sit down and talk about it. Hopefully we get a little smile to talk about. So, Brian, how do we leave everybody? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.